0: Don't need an intro song, we'll just have a person say recording in progress. Here's 68 million songs. The- <laughs> Whatever
1: you want, yeah. Hey yo, this is Green skin Mango. Welcome everyone to the Gamango Show.
0: I'm Gordon Meyer, chatting with you from Hong Kong. And I'm John Witcher coming to you from the crossroads of America. Each episode we'll be discussing creativity in life will be drawing from our 30 years of collaborating together in so many creative endeavors, successes, failures, our influences, and our current inspirations.
1: So let's get going with the Gamango
0: Show. Gratitude, everybody, for Welcome to the Gamango Show.
1: <laughs> Welcome, everyone. Hopefully, uh, everybody's having a great week. Episode 16. <laughs>
0: What we're gonna do today is we're gonna do what we call inspired tunes. We're gonna try and do this somewhat regularly, where we pick three songs that inspire us, and basically why they inspire us, how they inspire us. For John and I both, music's been such a huge part in our lives, so. Yeah. You know, to discount the influence that music has, I think, would be a really big detriment to the bigger story of our creativity. Absolutely. There's an undeniable attachment that we do have to others that have created music before us and taught us some of the lessons that maybe we don't learn from a classically trained course or.
1: Um, I've taken professional music lessons just in different levels, but probably the biggest influence for me, the, the first biggest influence, the reason that I really got into music was Crazy Train. And the, uh-huh. the Randy Rhodes, the Randy Rhodes tribute version, the live version. Because mm-hmm. this is when MTV was in its glory day and the video was just absolutely amazing. And you know, and then I hear this guy Uh, playing this polka dot guitar and I mean he's just playing things that I can't even imagine you know just having picked up a guitar at 15 you know just blowing me away listening to this guy play I bought one of the sheet music books for the live album and it actually had like the scale he's playing and this is what modes are and this is how they interact and I learned so much just from that album that it's unbelievable just the influence it had on me and 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 the video is absolutely amazing too I'd say that those videos are probably as big a part of why I'm playing as, as anything, you know, you, you see these people in front of these mass audiences and, you know, just, just a segue into why I even started. I I do a lot of ukulele with my comedy and my ukulele has got the polka dots on it. If you ever wondered why it's because Randy Rhodes. he he was a huge Uh influence in my life.
0: I see. I see. Oh, that's really great to know. Yeah, I mean, I always knew that you were heavily influenced by Randy Rhodes and the capacity of turning what classical guitar is into something that's part of heavy metal and all good guitar basically, right?
1: Absolutely, yeah. I mean, huge, huge influence on so many people. And his mom's classically trained. His mom was a professor at a university. Uh, She's, I mean, just Dolores is absolutely incredible as well. Profound influence on me.
0: One song that I was trying to think of that really stood out is like, wow, I've never heard anything like this. And then actually had an effect on how I thought later whatever. Quote, unquote, by Mr. Bungle. It's the first song off that Mr. Bungle album. And if you haven't heard this, go listen to it now. And pretty sure you've never heard anything like it before. And especially at that time, like in 1991. Yeah, most people had never heard anything like this. I'd say that this song and almost anything from Mr. Bungle and Mike Patton most greatly influenced how I wanted to hear music with uniqueness, with surprise, but also with so much talent and smart lyrics and a sense of humor. You know, all that seriousness that people put into music always seemed kind of ridiculous to me. But this song and the album completely changed how I thought about creativity. And Mr. Bungle is just so talented and they can easily tackle any genre that they weave in and out of all their songs. And commercially, you know, it didn't really matter to them. Basically, the point was just to make something that was very different and unique and that they wanted to do. If your concerns are being artistic, well, there you go. You can do that. Of course, not everybody could do that on a big label. The only reason they were able to do that because Faith No More was very popular and Mike Patton pulled the strings and basically said, Hey, if you want to sign us, then you got to sign Mr. Bungle too. So that was pretty uh, smart to do that. Basically everything, you know, to me after that point became about juxtaposition and complex compositions. So and I know John, I mean, probably his head's like going, oh, my gosh, you're not going to start going on about this again, because I think those are the (laughs) only two. Oh, the only two words that I said for about three or four years was juxtaposition and complex compositions. If you want to put peanut butter on pickles, you know, and have a try at it and they taste delicious you know that's a juxtaposition basically that you never would have expected and and why not try that you know at least try it you know if it doesn't work it doesn't work but if it keeps working then go ahead and do it but it led to you know a lot of what we're doing right now I mean and you can still see it like uh it was a carnival it's like a carnival on psychedelics or something like that and it's definitely something that you see in like some of those early green skin mango paintings that you have oh gosh oh my gosh yeah that's what they're all Unreal. about. And you can see it then when you see our products now, you know, you see like the quantum octopus being genre fluid, um, <laughs> all these things, pretty you cool. know, it's, it's freeing, yeah. you know, and it's, it's something that I think that really affects our belief systems too, you know, when you don't when we, have to yeah. say this is exactly this and this is exactly this, you know, it's going beyond expectation. Yeah. And it came through quite a bit in our early music, I think, too. I think there was like a point where it was trying to like get a little bit of infusion of of the mentality that we don't have to stick so hard into a certain genre. I think that was like really important, and I think. Oh, and it was it was really tough too,
1: uh, coming from you know in Indianapolis, nobody was doing that. These people that were booking us, they had no idea who to put us with. It was really wild.
0: Right yeah you could put us with anybody or you know he didn't put us with anybody at all yeah, very true absolutely yeah uh i mean we kind of did it on a per song basis whereas bungle kind of took all genres and threw them into one song, <laughs> and, one then song repeated, yeah. and then repeated that on the next song and oh, with a little gosh. bit more variance on a certain genre than another but yeah yeah
1: yeah, I yeah incredibly yeah, but-
0: influential yeah
1: Yeah, I remember the first time I heard it, I I thought they had to be out of their mind, you know. It was like nothing i had ever heard. I mean, it was just like crazy, but genius kind of crazy.
0: More a wake-up call to your brain to be open and creative.
1: (laughs) (laughs) So so for number two, I I chose higher ground. I love the Stevie Wonder and the Red Hot Chili Pepper version. You know, I'm really on the fence about which one I... You know, because Inner Visions by Stevie Wonder, the album, was absolutely mm, amazing. And is. Mother's Milk by the Red Hot Chili Peppers was, was, in my opinion, just absolutely amazing as well. They both had a really profound impact on the way that I played uh, just because... You know, just doing those those bar chords, you know, with distortion and the bass just on that album, Mother's Milk. And then, of course, uh, doing research of where, where it came from and, and hearing the album that Stevie did probably uh, had the biggest impact on my music overall. Still did distortion, but kind of changed, you know, the way I approached putting stuff together.
0: Oh, that's a good one. Yeah. So what are the things like between the two songs that, you know, you pick apart and say this one is different in this way and I like this and this part, the way that that's done in this well, song is a little bit different, well, I, and I like, but I well, like that I, too.
1: You know, with Stevie, you know, it, it's the groove, you, you know, you just kind of like you want to tap your foot along. Uh, it's just an experience. With the Red Hot Chili Peppers version of Higher Ground on Mother's Milk, uh, when that song plays I mean, you can just mm-hmm. jump around and, and, and just get crazy wild, you know, while you're playing that song. And just the energy level. I don't think oh, that... I see. I, yeah. I,
0: yeah, I see uh, yeah, rarely, what you're saying.
1: Yeah. Well, rarely ever is there a song um, like Higher Ground where I liked both the original and the remake equally as well. Usually I either really like the original or I really like the remake. Very, very short list of
0: songs mm-hmm. like that. I bet. Yeah, what you're saying about the two different levels of sort of joy, like to the the Stevie Wonder joy is like the toe tapping groove, you know, and it makes you happy. Whereas like the yeah. <laughs> Chili Peppers is kind of like, I'm just gonna run and jump off the stage or something like that and <laughs> scream and yeah. yell, you know. With yeah, that's it's great. just phenomenal. So for my sort of pop nostalgia, I go back in time machine, I go to. 1970 they longed to be close to you by the carpenters wow. very sentimental because i remember this song very specifically being in a car with my mom driving and the songs on the radio and she was singing it but she was singing it to me so she would be singing like on the day that you were born the angels got together and decided to Create a dream come true. So they sprinkled moon dust in your hair and gold and starlight in your eyes of blue. So back then I had blonde hair, gold hair, and I had blue eyes, which I still have. You know, so it felt like it was actually being sung to me. I felt this real connection by being sung to by my mom because I understood the vulnerability of of singing in front of other people. You know what I mean? Oh, sure you know, and I didn't ever really remember her singing so much in front of people or anything like that. So to sing in front of me, I felt like I was like really special for that. And so I always like, think of that song in this sort of comfort cocoon or something like that in my past, I always have this really precious moment that I think about that really means a lot to me. And so when I hear that song, and I, it always brings me back to that time. And then wow. later on when I became a really huge sonic youth fan and really into that I was really touched again by Kim Gordon's tunic song for Karen which she references Karen Carpenter in this and with this there's a really deep line in it about I feel like I'm disappearing getting smaller every day but when I look in the mirror I'm bigger in every way and wow. it relates to Karen tragic um, death from complications of anorexia and yeah you know it it made me understand from a woman's voice so many of the pressures that and expectations that she was going through and then she felt herself you know I have to be this person that looks this way for all the people and I can't imagine the amount of pressure that, you know, she was getting from in the industry, the industry pressure, you know, to be and look and perform and just constantly be on that, you know, it really sort of transformed how I thought about that song again, you know, and my mom, women's experience of life, of the pressure, the objectification, societal imbalances and the patriarchies and all that stuff you know that's still out there going on but at least voices are being raised and i think that was like part of it you know my mom was raising a little bit of her voice you know and she raised her voice a lot about a lot of things later on (laughs) but you know it always brings me back to you know that first sort of song and i remember john at the time too when i was big into sonic youth and we were all having really tough times in our life and basically like around the time we played like our last green skin mango show you know and i was having like this problem just with eating anything i just had no appetite i was like losing weight and i was like going into that um mental spiral but Every time I would then hear that um, Sonic Youth song, it would actually remind me of, you know, that Close to You song as well. So there was kind of a parachute in there that was sort of keeping me together on several levels, you know, just gave me that transcendent, positive, nurturing feeling, you know, that I just needed at that time to move forward. And I'm not sure how I ever really got through things, but... Music yeah. and that song specifically, I, I do remember as being you know part of that help.
1: So for number three, I picked Folsom Prison Blues. My dad was a huge well, he still is. My dad huge Johnny Cash fan, and growing up, that was probably the first music I ever heard. Just being old enough to understand what music was, first thing I, I ever heard was down 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 down. He knew every Johnny Cash song, and the thing that sticks out of my mind is. Um, When he was teaching me my first chords, you know, he's got this big uh, like jumbo body epiphone and I'm sitting in this chair and my feet just barely touch the ground. And I'm trying to learn, you know, like a G chord and a D chord and a C chord. And, And to be honest with you, the action on this guitar, you probably could have used like, you know, a clamp or a vice Uh, to to hold it down Uh, and um, and I'm trying to learn chords on this thing but and he was so patient you know and I, I remember learning so many of those Johnny Cash songs I mean everywhere he went whether it was church group or outings you know family outings or wherever we would go if he would bring his guitar, people would always request that he play those Johnny Cash songs. And I think by the time I was probably, I don't know, eight years old, I knew him backward and forward. Not necessarily being able to play them like he could because, you know, he had a ton more technical ability than me at the time. But just knowing them inside out, you know, and later on seeing that story of Johnny Cash, you know, his life. I walked the line and, and kind of seeing just the sacrifices that he made to even get where he was and, and just what family meant to him, you know, it, it just really stuck in stuck out in my mind, you know, just just coming from that, because, and most people you know, back in the day, were like, you know seeing me play all the the hardcore metal stuff, nobody could ever believe that I could play those songs, like you know, I never imagined I'd come over and you'd be playing Johnny Cash, you know, I was expecting more like Metallica or which, which I could play a ton of Metallica stuff, you know, some of my my early stuff, you know, I learned to play a lot of that Aussie stuff, a, a lot of Metallica to get that the technical kind of, you know, where I could play. But I mean, truthfully, a, a lot of those songs just had like three chords, you know, they play a lot with the capo, you know, move it back and forth where the one thing he told me when he sat me down and he started teaching me these chords, he's like, I'll buy you your own." guitar, but you have to promise me that you'll take lessons and you'll learn to to read music and and learn to do music, you know, beyond what I've learned because, you know, it's just really important to me. Uh, You know, he got me in lessons and um, I met so many neat people. Um. Actually, my guitar teacher that I met years and years ago, who, who taught me some of my early classical training and, and things. Later on in life, I became a grant panelist in the Arts Commission, and he happened to be on the panel with me. It was just a really neat moment, you know, to to, to reunite after that many years. You know, really can't even begin to ex- to describe how much that probably shaped, you know, even just my early, you know, my early beginnings. But
0: wow, that's really great. That's so cool. Like, one, you're you're doing more more than what your dad you know expected and then also with yeah. reuniting with you know someone that taught you you know on the same oh, it was, level it was, that's pretty magical it was neat. that's really great yeah you know I think one of the very first times that I pulled into your driveway to like meet up and I don't know go hang out in your room and play songs or something like that there was your dad yeah. sitting on the front porch and he was just playing and I know he was playing Johnny Cash too because oh, yeah. He sounds just like Johnny Cash. Oh, my instance. gosh. He you could, know what I mean? He could do it exactly. it exactly. It
1: was crazy. Oh,
0: my gosh. He mastered everything, you know, <laughs> as far as the play. I mean, he, I mean, it was just like, oh, my gosh. You know, like, yeah. your dad is Johnny Cash, you know. I didn't expect anything else from you either. You know, I figured, oh, you must know all these songs, too. I didn't yeah. kind of jump to the conclusion that, oh, you only know metal songs or anything like that. You know, I was like yeah. thinking you grew up with this. This is it. This is great. Thank you. Wow. So my life-changing song is So What by Miles Davis from 1959 off of the incredible album, Kind of Blue. And it's easily a jazz staple. Not sure how obvious this is as inspirational or influential, but being that I wasn't trained as a musician and I didn't play an instrument, I wasn't really introduced to jazz in any real context, until I was about 19 or so, and at the time in 1991, uh, the Chatterbox in Indianapolis was essentially a dive jazz bar, and not a whole lot of people were going to Mass Ave at that time. They are now, but it was mostly, you know, the artists, the musicians, you know, that were that were going there, not the not the mainstream. And it was pretty amazing at the time because it was just such a a few people. I do remember going there the first few times with some older students from Heron and then seeing some of the faculty there as well. And some of them were my favorite teachers. And one of them was Mark Jacobson, who really knew jazz. You know, He was really into jazz. And I always was amazed how he followed the jazz musicians who were performing there at the Chatterbox. And throughout the song, you know, i just sort of watch him and he'd kinda, he kind of... You could tell by like how he, you know, moved his head and kind of like, you know, did little twitches and stuff like that, you know, with his face or with his hand or something. Like he knew these songs and I would just be in amazement because I was like all I'm hearing is just sort of improv noise of, of instruments. (laughs) Wow. (laughs) You know what I mean? It's just like, I don't understand this at all. How is this a song that you groove along with? And like, you know, he just, he just knew that much jazz to know it so well, because he was such an influence and mentor, you know, on me, I went in to investigate some jazz music. So the band at the Chatterbox had played, So what? And the only reason I knew that is because the lead trumpet line in it, the way it plays kind of sounds like it says, so what? That is the only way that I could remember that song and the title. Wow. I went to the school library, dug up the album, and then I just like recorded it in the library onto a cassette. And that was like the first time I remember ever having that, having that album and especially that song. And I remember, man, and I bought that, I think, on every type of media so far. I've bought this at least, like, four times. You know, it's like this, it's like a song that, like, always, like, reverberates in my bones, you know, and it puts me in a place where I feel several things at once. First, I feel really alive and, like, on the move and creative. It's like being on, like, the brink of some great idea or some creative Thing that you're going to do and second is the mood which is feels dark and cool and it's like one of those really late nights you know when you're out on the street outside of a club or a show and you're just sort of strolling you know in the bewilderment of the moment in the city at nighttime, like in new york or chicago or tokyo or anywhere you know early in the morning and it's dark And that hush comes over this big city and you just feel like you're the only one alive while that energy sort of reverberates and recharges, you know, while everyone's sleeping. And it's just a powerful rush, you know, when that washes over you. And I feel that whenever I hear that song, it feels just like that moment to me. And the third thing, it's it's New York, it's Miles, you know, he's in New York. The time that they made this in 1959, when they recorded this in New York City, I mean, come on. It was one of the biggest changes, you know, creatively, like throughout, you know, the arts. I mean, it's, you know, jazz is being reinvented itself just at the same time that abstract painting is becoming uh, a reality. Abstract expressionists are coming out. It's, It's just before pop. It's before the Beatles, you know, it's like just on that cusp where all things creative are just about to explode. And Miles, he does the blowing for everybody, you know, he blows it up, you know. So every time I hear this song, you know, this conversation of instruments, you know, this walk down in the early morning of Manhattan, you know, the smell of stained liquor on floors of bars and turpentine soaked in studios, burnt fingers from stretching canvas and smoking to the bit. I'm transported into this song. That's where I go. Pretty cool. Wow.
1: It's pretty cool, yeah, because, I mean, jazz is like its own animal. I mean, it's completely different than any type of music. I mean, when I was in jazz band in high school, they told me blues and jazz had a a baby and it was rock and roll. It's completely different. You know, not just anybody can play jazz
0: have a hard time getting into a lot of jazz in the same way that a lot of albums that well i mean i love it too and i have a lot of like jazz composers and stuff that i like and i listen to and stuff but you know it's it's when you step onto something else you know it's finding something new and finding something new that you can really relate to because it's not such an easy thing to like just pick up on some new artist's way of doing something you know
1: what i mean it's just like hey i just don't dig that guy's sound if i if i wouldn't have met you there's probably no way i would have been in jazz band the mindset i had you know i I was very you know one track as i I mean when we talk about music influences you're definitely at the top i mean seriously because you know because you it would drive me crazy because you would come over and you pick me up and we ride around and you have this music playing in your car and every time it was a different type of music and a different band and, you know, whether it would be jazz or Mr. Bungle or Chili Peppers or Stevie Wonder or The Police, you know, their punk stuff and the early stuff, it would just like drive me crazy. I'm like, oh my gosh. (laughs) Uh, just the influences coming in from all the different directions I I mean I can't
0: even well that's what makes this whole thing exciting that's why I, I like what we're doing now making these inspirational tunes it's our iTunes, our inspirational tunes that's what I like about doing this and like keeping this series going you know once a month or whatever so that we can like go back and like pick through some of these songs and talk about how it influences us and how it kind of influences everybody you know I don't know how often people are even asked, you know, hey, is there a band that you listen to or a song, you know, that you like? Because the choice is endless now. It's like oh yeah. people are just given, you know, Spotify or iTunes music and say... Here's 68 million songs. Enjoy. <laughs> Whatever you
1: want, yeah. It was different when we were in high school.
0: You know, you, you had to dig.
1: I mean, I think that probably the first jazz when you when you kind of got me sparked in jazz um, was Artie Shaw. You know, mm-hmm. uh, and, and we yeah, can well yeah. in, in future episodes we'll get into more and
0: more. Yeah, yeah and and the only reason I was like getting my jazz influence or anything like that was basically you know either hearing um other artists who were listening to jazz you know hearing it in your studio or something like that or just listening to it on the radio that was it you know that it's just clean slate enter jazz and whatever i can pick up i pick up i've met some people that are huge jazz enthusiasts and i just like Mm. pick their brain of like how can I get around thinking of it in this way or this way? it's basically, you know, just be open, just be open and listen to it. You don't have to like anything, of course, you know, Oh just be open and listen. And if you can hear it and feel it. A critical mind. Yeah. That's what you got. An inspired episode once again. Yeah,
1: absolutely. Fun, fun. I think I enjoy each one more and more.
0: Yeah. Putting things back and forth, having a guest one week, doing our own thing, maybe about our own story or something new like this where we're just picking out songs that influence us and maybe it's turning you on to these new songs or disgusting you with them. I don't know. Maybe Mr. Bumble's <laughs> like not going to influence anybody. <laughs> huh? I, I don't know. All right. Well, Looking forward to chatting next week. Thank you so much for tuning in. All right. Have a great week, everybody. Keep listening. Yep. Thank, thank be you. creative. Become a subscriber to the Gamango Show, Creative for Life, and visit the podcast site for more links and info. You can also visit the website of greenskinmango.com for our awesome streetwear, collective music, and comedy. Go be creative. Be creative. Be-